Welcome, everyone, to the Economy Ninja Podcast. This is your host, Colin Norton. Thank you again for returning to enjoy the content that we've been producing. And in this last segment, Dan and I discuss the future for the United States dollar and the future of monetary systems around the world. Again, we are not financial advisors, and this is not financial advice. But on to the content. I hope that you enjoy it. Well, I mean, something I think about is, you know, it's, it's hard to have freedom without resources, right? If, if you can't support yourself, you'll never truly be free, right? So you have to have resources, right? And if all your resources are tied to the whims of the government, what they decide to do with it, right? That's not true freedom in the first place, right? So anybody that truly believes in freedom should believe that you have to be able to control your own resources and therefore your own fate, right? So if you truly believe in a world where you're free, you have to believe in a freedom of money, right? Which would be disconnected from the, the powers that be. So, you know, and, and what, what better way to do that than disconnect the financial system uh, denomination from, or at least a store of value uh, from the, the unit of measure depicted by the government, right? So if the government's yeah. depicting, like making dollars and everything's denominated in dollars, the government has power over everything you have, right? If all of your assets are, are denominated in dollars and they just move the dollar around, they move your net wealth around, right? So, you know, you need to denominate something else or at least diversify, right? Because it's a lot of power for somebody to have over you. Yeah, this is why Bitcoin was hugely popular with uh, with libertarians in the first place and why it's continued to grow adoption uh, for all of those reasons that it's not it's not centralized, it's not attached to a single government. But uh, like maybe and this might be hopeful, but maybe in the future we will have just like we had a separation of church and state. Maybe we'll have a separation of money and state, you know, like that is that is a possibility uh, when when every nation in the world can kind of go back to, uh, you know, something that's detached from a single sovereign. So like right now, world's reserve currency is the U.S. dollar. But in the future, I, I don't think it's, uh, it's that far-fetched to say that within 20 years, we will move away from the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. And uh, the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, is already... Uh, created uh, a video looking to push for a new Bretton Woods moment uh, and for what Bretton Woods is for anybody yeah, that's interested. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's the conference in 1944 near the closing of World War II where uh, a bunch of allied nations came together, Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, to decide on the future of you know, the world's you know, what to do with the world economy, uh, kind of like uh, recovering from World War II, and what to do with monetary system. And so the United States had the most gold in the world and was already on a gold standard. So every country decided to peg its currency to the United States dollar and the United States dollar is pegged to gold. So the world would be on that gold standard, essentially. It was a fair uh, playing field for the most part until it ended in 1971. So like, uh, the International Monetary Foundation already talked about creating a new version of, you know, some kind of world reserve currency that moved away from the U.S. dollar because it's just been a floating fiat currency. 
and we're, we've created a, a huge economic, looming economic disaster for the world because of the amount of debt that we've raised and the amount of inequality that we've created. And there's no real solution for it. So one of those things that'll be part of the solution will be the change in the monetary system globally. And that'll be a move away from the dollar. We just don't know how it's going to happen. So uh, 20 years, I'd say it's fair that that'll happen. Maybe cryptocurrencies will be part of it. Maybe it'll be a basket of currencies, a basket of commodities. You know, The value of different things will probably be basketed together so that way everybody can agree on what the value of that currency being used is. It, it all comes back to what Bitcoin currently is, is that it's an easy unit of account. Everybody can agree on what it is. And then we just have a floating fiat price associated with it that continues to go up uh, as more people adopt it. But in the future, whatever world reserve currency exists, whether it's a basket or a single thing, everybody will agree that that is, you know, that's acceptable. And right now, every country except for the United States hates the fact that the United States dollar is the world's reserve currency because it's great for economic pressuring and like sanctions and stuff. So yeah, like, it gives us a ton of power, you know, when you can fluctuate the value of all the debt or right. was it 60, 70, 80% of the debt in the planet? Like that's quite a bit, quite a bit of power. It's an immense amount of power, which yeah. is exactly why it will end as mm -hmm. all fiat currencies do. And it'll end eventually. Who knows what that will actually look like. But uh, yeah, that's that's what at least I'm expecting. That'll probably change, which is why it's important to discover and familiarize yourself with the monetary system, the faults of the monetary system, and understanding why Bitcoin has value in the first place. That's why, like, that's why we're here in the first place talking about it. That's the only reason why Bitcoin exists, because the monetary system is imperfect. <laughs> mm -hmm. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been created. If there, if there was a free and fair monetary system, never would have been conceptualized. There would be no point. I mean, blockchain technology is great, but like there was a force behind getting this because monetary system sucks. And <laughs> then it was a better way to uh, account for where money is. Better record keeping than the current money that we use. So, yeah. Like, it's just, it's just, it, it keeps coming back to how, like, really awesome it is. And, like, even though it's been 10 years, the fact that so many people still dismiss it, it feels like we're first. You know, like, the it fact does. that it, yeah. it's insane. It's been 10 years, and the last few years have really addressed some of the serious problems and weaknesses that Bitcoin really had. Uh, yeah. But the amount of people that are educating themselves on it, that understand it better, it's just going to like the adoption, the wave of adoption that's coming and with it, the wave of money that is going to flow into that system. So people can all, you know, the value of the system increases and the value of Bitcoin goes up. It's just, it's exciting, exciting yeah. to be an early adopter. Yeah, <laughs> early adopter, 10 years after the fact, ten, early adopter, 10 years it's after 20,000%. It's, <laughs> it's but it will be, it really, you know, if it does half of what we think it can do, you know, it's, it is still the beginning, right? So people uh, always, you know, miss, miscalculate uh, risk reward and the importance of marginal buyers, you know, they look at a graph, 
and they see, uh, you know, an exponential up, upside to it. And they're like, oh, I missed it. Right. And then they look at it five years later and the graph looks the same because that's how exponentials work. And yep. they say, oh, man, I missed it. Right. Just like I did with Tesla back in 2012. It was like, oh, $80. I missed it. Right. And in reality, uh, after the splits and the appreciation, now it's sitting at 600. I, I probably would be retired. So it's uh, <laughs> it's it's just it's easy to dismiss something when it looks crazy. But eventually, you know. The marginal buyers are there. The market cap is really what you want to look at. And there's tons of room for people to clamor and clamor in and, you know, really go with it. So it's, it's not a guarantee, uh, but the risk reward is uh, worth, you know, allocating some sort of your value toward it because yes. you will probably eventually. So. Yeah. We, we both absolutely made that problem in the past where looking yeah. for opportunities we didn't know how to assess it and now especially having the amount of time that i had to put into this and we've shared a lot of discussions about it but this is the likely the single best risk reward bet that uh, i've ever seen now, i didn't know what to look for in the past but like now just seeing the amount of money that can come into it is extraordinary for yeah. you know all of the all of the critics of it the the shortfalls that it has and how it's addressed them uh like it just seems it seems almost like a sure bet as as close to a sure bet as as there is uh yeah. now i mean it kind of comes down if adoption to... falters its price obviously go down yeah. but yeah. it's just the upside just it's so obscene, asymmetric upside for the risk. Yeah, as, as one of my old physics professors used to say, if it's the only game in town, go for it, right? And he's talking about, you know, if there's only one option to solve a problem, you use that option, right? When you look at uh, currently, where do you put your money? Bonds don't seem like a great option. Stocks seem inflated largely. Uh, most people can't get into private equity is really where you make your money. Most people can't get into it because they're not certified investors, right? So what do you do, you know? Looks like cryptocurrency is the only game in town. So when it's the only game in town, pay attention to it, I suppose. And hey, you know, you could, you could buy, uh, you know, Apple and hope it doubles, right? Like to four trillion, which isn't impossible. I definitely see that happening. But you know, is it going to outpace uh, something with a market cap of three hundred fifty billion, where there's so much value added from it? You know, the value added to the price of it uh, is obviously good, and you can you can tell that. Or you can you kind of always see what is really going to appreciate or what has the potential to appreciate by looking at the value added uh, in comparison to price and the biases against it, right? So anytime there is a large bias against something, the price is generally uh, deflated, right? Or uh, you know it's depressed, I guess is the better way to put it, right? And there's a lot of bias against this, right? You have an entire generation of people. I don't want to say all of them, but a large portion of them are biased against it, right? A lot of people that really jump into uh, financials and really think they know something, they they say that oh, it's 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 a spiny mamey thing, and uh, you know they're biased against it and they stop looking, right? And when you have this and it continues to produce value, you can get a huge upside to that. And on top of that, you put the small market cap and the potential for growth is incredible. Yeah, like for all of those people that are critics, when you're forced to look at it and price makes you do that, like eventually it puts pressure on you to realize what did I miss? Like it, how how are so many people you 
how are so many people adopting this? It doesn't make any sense. And you look at it and then maybe you realize some of the some of the faults in your own logic when you were first reviewing it. And it flips you. And when it flips you and somebody else saw that you're a critic and you flip from being a critic to, to adopting it, at least in part, it only adds, it only adds to its uh, validity as an asset. It just grows and grows and grows and grows as a result of flipping people, even in part, even if they don't become uh, super proponents, they just do it because they go, ah, I have to have some exposure to it. I have to, you know, do one percent. I, you know, like my clients. I'm a financial advisor. They're asking me about. It. I have to do my due diligence. No, no matter what, nobody can hide. This is, it is something. It's an asset class that is going to erode away a lot of barriers uh, in the financial world, and it's going to force people to look at it more. And, and that's where we're just beginning. Like even though it seems like it's been a tremendous journey to get here to go over $20,000 again after having a huge bubble that burst three years ago. But it, the doors are just now opening to more people and bringing them in and having them see uh, that what looked like uh, problems before don't really exist and or uh, they have solutions to them that didn't seem to be there before. Uh, the ecosystem and the rails, the infrastructure around it lending platforms, uh, more on-ramps and off-ramps, brokerages, exchanges, access to be able to acquire it, and the ease of use, the supporting software and technology, wallets, different things that you can use it, transfer around with it. It's it's all being built out that didn't really exist there as well uh, a couple of years ago. So it's just fantastic. That's all for the content of this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope to do more things in the future. And if you do have questions or comments, I would love to make content addressing any good questions about blockchain technology or Bitcoin, since I have been spending an awful lot of time learning whatever I can about it. Otherwise, you have a wonderful day.